Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. back nature nerds this is megan uh, sitting across from my co-host jen a good morning who'll be telling our story this week she has like forty thousand pages of notes so that's fun per usual i have some science news for you well just hold your horses oh horse lady whoa (laughs) (laughs) that was good because i have a little something i want to do here all right i'm ready um it's almost Mother's Day. Oh, it is. You're right. I just want to, like, you know, honor all mothers. Mm-hmm. But since I'm here with my friend Megan, yes. who's been a single mom uh, to a now 13-year-old boy who's wildly a boy. Super boy. And sometimes she almost loses her mind. It's the truth. I have a little something for you. What? And I want you, I want, I want you to have it right now while we're recording. I'm starting to tear up already. Because... <laughs> It's super cool. So okay. hold on. Just, okay. Hey, I'm, okay, here we go. You know what? I'm what? sitting here. Do, 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 do. Here you go. Oh, oh, wow. It's wrapped. It's wrapped in like what you would wrap your um, textbook in in high school, like uh-huh. brown paper bag. Uh-huh. I like it. I like it. And there's so, a really cool sticker on the front. There is. It's beautiful. I feel like this might be from... Do you kind of... You you're getting a feel for I'm what it might a, be. I'm getting a feel. I'm getting, uh-huh. Is this like some ASMR opening stuff? We just... I don't know what ASMR stands for. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's like, you know, when you hear stuff and it makes you tingle a little. Ah. (laughs) Live reaction, folks. This is amazing. It is. So is this from Bindweed Sketchbooks? Yes. Yeah. It's from Val. That's so nice. And it's. Well, I mean, I ordered it. Yeah. She didn't just give it to us. It is a book. The Maxton Maxton book about reptiles and amphibians. Yes. Maxton books for young people because I'm young. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, this is so nice. Isn't it cool? So one of our friends, I th- I like to think she's our friend, but you know, yeah. on oh. Instagram, she has two sites. One is Illustrated Gardens. Yes. Bird illustrations and, and well, she does well, a lot in illustration. She teaches how to draw and illustrate flowers, insects, birds. But her stuff is so beautiful. And then she has a second website, Bindweed Sketchbooks, yes. where she takes old books from whenever. Mm-hmm. But, um, and you know, if you smell it, it smells like a library. So you want to see mine? <laughs> yes. So I ordered one for, for Megan for there's Mother's a red, Day. There's a red F right there. Well, I just ordered it, but I was like, I'll give it to her for Mother's Day. I ordered my own, of course. Yes. And then I ordered one from my mom, but she doesn't know yet. So I'm going to give it to her on Mother's Day. But you want to see mine? And I yes. have... And she, okay, hold on. So mine is all the birds of Eastern and Central North America. When you open it, it has a few pages like from the actual book. book. Yeah. yeah. And then the rest of it is just filled with pages you can sketch. And mine in the middle has a cool little like bird ID thing. Oh, yeah. It's super cool. They're all usually like old books, right? Mm-hmm. So mine is from... 1953. Mine is from 1954. Oh. When she sends it, she wraps it in like old book paper. Yeah. And then she sent these little tiny things. Oh my God. Like little itty bitty. So I'm going to give you this one. This one has sassy squirrel on the front because I'm keeping the one that has tuned turtle. It looks like little playing cards. Yeah. That's so cute. And it's like an itty bitty sketchbook. Sassy squirrel. Look at that tail. 
Don't you love it? She's sassy. And so to me, these are beautiful. They're done so well. And also just how she wraps everything and presents it. Super cool. And I just want to point out, Jen, that this book used uh-huh. to be owned by Gregory Field, who <laughs> apparently did some cursive up there at the top. That's kind of cool. Well, it's I cool because like they don't even teach cursive anymore. They're, Actually, yeah, my kid is learning cursive, but... My kid has my handwriting, so... Oh, God. You don't want to see just that like cursive. It's like lines with some little lumps in it that you're oh. supposed to like pretend you know. Do you love it? I love it so much. And thank you, Val. I love notebooks. Yeah, you guys got to get on this. So go check her out, Bindweed Sketchbooks. And then bindweedsketchbooks.com. It looks like it's her website. Yep. I knew you would love that. I love it. Carry on with science news. Well, science news action. Now she's going to be super stoked about our science news. I am. She is a little teary-eyed. I'm all smiley. I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy inside now. It's excellent. I have two like kind of related science newsies. One came to us from Rebecca on Instagram. She sent us a little DM. And I think someone else might have sent it to us too. Excuse me. Maybe you sent it to me. But it is about for the first time in four years, a litter of red wolf pups was born in the wild. Did you see that? I did. I saw it because I also saw that she sent it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, (laughs) If she doesn't do the science news, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Well, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife staff in North Carolina welcomed a litter of six red wolf puppies into the world earlier this week. So this was written April 23rd. So this month of 2022. I guess the last litter that was, was born previous to this was in 2018. So this is a big deal. Wow. And it is uh, the wild red wolves, a species teetering on the brink of extinction. Hmm. So congratulations getting further away from extinction yeah. by having some new pups. Making yeah. some babies. And they look so cute. They're all like snuggled up They're together. They're so cute. There are four females and two males. They're found in the Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge, and that's in North Carolina. And they have a staff that is working on something called the Red Wolf Recovery Program, which just sounds like fish and wildlife recovery for the red wolf species. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The post on Facebook says that they paired them up, put them in the same territory, and then I guess, I don't know, played some like jazz music. (laughs) Played some Barry White. A little samba. (laughs) (laughs) Before the settlers... The colonizers <laughs> came to North America. The red wolves thrived throughout the southeast from Florida to the Great Plains and the Ohio River Valley. Then they were, of course, hunted and exterminated because of things like livestock, all the mm-hmm. fun stuff. And as people expanded out into cities and towns, and so their species was driven to near extinction. There were a mere 17 wolves left. That's it in 1973. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 17? 17. They took those 17, or they took 14 of the 17 and put them into captivity because they were like, this is, you know, we got to try to do something. And they lived in captivity in an area across Louisiana and Texas Mm -hmm. by the coast. So Mm -hmm. I guess it was maybe like a more of like a refuge situation or not like a zoo captivity, but like a area where they can't be hunted. A sanctuary. That was the word I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) The three wolves that they didn't take, of course, were killed... It says the remaining wolves disappeared, attributed to continued human persecution and a loss of habitat. And then the red wolf was actually declared extinct in the wild. But four years later, because of their captivity program, there were 63 red wolves. They increased their numbers from 17 to 63, which that's good stuff. That's really good. Kind of creepily, their eyes look red in this photo. I don't know if you can see it from there. They maybe have like those like auburn eyes. 
But yeah. the coat the coat has some red in it. But their population actually peaked in 2012, and it, it made it all the way up to 120. They in- reintroduced them to the wild. According to the Fish and Wildlife Service, this was the first time a large carnivore was brought back from extinction and reintroduced to the wild in the U.S. But hmm. they're reintroduced, and what happened? Uh, their numbers went down again. Kind of throwing this out there for future yeah. reference yeah. i am putting together a wolf episode yeah we've had a lot of requests and a lot of stuff sent and so i'm kind mm-hmm. of like i've started it there's a lot to it so i'm still piecing it together mm-hmm. but yeah in 2020 and 2021 there was an estimate of about 17 to 20 wolves that were in the wild there are a lot more in, in captivity so Today, mm-hmm. they estimate there's 15 to 17 red wolves living in the wild, and then 241 exist in captivity. So they continue to be one of the most endangered animals on the planet. Fish and Wildlife is trying to recover the species. Maybe they preemptively put them out into the wild. Like, I don't know. It seemed like they did okay. And then people and are then- out there like, this murka. And they got their guns. or like, that's oh, a wolf. Yeah. Killer dead. Well, that is good news. It's kind of good and bad. It's good and bad. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good that there's more. Yes. But can we just stop killing them, people? Let's not do it anymore. That Come sounds on. good. Come on, guys. Um, The second uh, science news I wanted to share real mm-hmm. quick, just super quick. So I read this piece of news on NBC.com, NBCnews.com. Okay. It was written a few days ago. Oh, no, April 6th. Close enough. Of this year. And it is entitled, Dogs' Faces Evolve to Improve Connections with People, Study Suggests. Well, like wild wolves don't have as many facial muscles that do what's called a fast twitch, where they can like make these different expressions. Like mm-hmm. if you think about puppy eyes. Yeah. When a puppy gives you puppy eyes. I guess they're saying that human selected wolves that had more of that fast twitch. And over time, because we've been, you know, domesticating dogs that people kept selecting more and more for facial responses Mm -hmm. in dogs and so now the muscles in dogs face are 66 percent to 95 percent fast twitch fibers and wolves have average about 25 percent oh weird yeah ann burroughs who is a professor of physical therapy at duquesne university in pittsburgh i probably said that real wrong dr ann burroughs and kaylee olmstead who's an animal physiologist, they have like a preliminary finding that they presented just recently at the Experimental Biology 2022 meeting in Philadelphia, where they're just like, hey, look, this is what's happening is dogs Mm -hmm. can make these like kind of like micro expressions that connect with humans better. And they kind of they described it as a way that dogs can manipulate people. So I just want to put it out there. (laughs) Dogs are manipulators. You guys are all talking shit about cats. But really... They want that treat. Emotional manipulation. I'm looking at you, Saber. Yes. Saber's like a freaking professional. Oh, he's got you. He's got you wound around his paw. His, his tiny little... <laughs> his tiny his little T-Rex. <laughs> T-Rex arms. arms. Yeah. That anyway. kind of reminds me of the one that was sent to us this week by, I guess, a Instagram friend. It's very similar to what you're talking about, that humans and dogs are the only two species known to seek visual cues from each other's eyes. And dogs only do it with humans. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I guess it's about how much of the white of the eye is showing. You can and, see. And yeah. That and how you can make these visual cues. Right, and right. dogs like have also <laughs> have that. And they do it with humans. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Maybe those red wolves just need to work on their uh, fast twitch muscles and endear themselves to humans. Right. Well, Megan, I have an amazing story for us today. I am It's something excited. we've talked about for a while. I think you might be slightly bummed because I think you wanted to talk about this, but you know what? 
You snooze, you lose. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> now you know. I'm excited. <laughs> I I have like two things in my mind that it might be, so I'm interested to see. So you know, in like a lot of our stories, we talk about lions, tigers, bears. Oh my! You can be scared of sharks, mm-hmm. but your chances, your odds of getting bit by a shark, very are small. Very small. Like you're more likely to get struck by lightning <gasps> than to be <laughs> attacked by a shark. I'm really excited for this episode now. (laughs) I'm so glad you're doing this. That's what we're doing today. According to the CDC, lightning victim data, lightning is one of the leading causes of weather-related fatalities. Among all the weather-related deaths, lightning is is one of the leading causes, which is kind of like... That's kind of surprising, honestly. Tornadoes and typhoons and stuff. Flash floods. Flash floods, yeah. yeah. The odds of being struck by lightning in a year... In a given year, is about, I've seen two different things. This one says one in 500,000, but I've seen one in a million in a year. But oh. over a lifetime, those odds go down to one in about 15,000. Pretty low. There's a lot of factors yeah. to you know to think about here because areas where there's more lightning, there's different seasons, where there's going to be more lightning, occupational differences, do you spend more time outside? A typical bolt of lightning lasts a half a second. It's about one to six inches in diameter and it spans nearly five miles. It can pack a punch of 100 million volts. So the earth gets hit with lightning about a billion times a year and lightning kills an estimated 24,000 people annually. And about 40 of those victims will be in the U.S. 90% of lightning happens in like inner clouds and they never even reach the ground. The other 10%, what we actually see hit the ground, takes place on a bigger scale. So the lightning shoots downward and on occasion upward if a cloud happens to be more positively charged than the ground. So it's basically you've got different charges like a positive and a negative coming from different clouds and it has to neutralize. And so it shoots to achieve like a circuit neutrality. Thunder, because of the lightning flash, gives off millions of volts of electricity. It superheats the air to more than 50,000 degrees, which is five times the temperature of the sun, and causes that sound. There won't be thunder without lightning. And every time there's lightning, there there is thunder. And I am no weather person. Like, I remember being in, what grade is it when you learn about weather? Like, fifth grade? Yeah. I zoned. <laughs> I was like, Columbial Nimbus. You You're know, like, like, I'm never going to need to know this. I was like, I don't want to be a weather person. And I grew up in Oklahoma, which is like the weather place of the yeah. U.S. Yeah. They're the, the tornado tracker people. Right. Are in Oklahoma. It's like if you were going to be a meteorologist. You go, to, you go to school in Oklahoma. Yeah. A thousand percent. I'm just now remembering that I know a meteorologist. You do? Yes. We should have interviewed them for this. I know two who were roller derby referees. Please tell me one of them had either thunder or lightning in their name. I don't think so, no. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just now remembering that, that that they're meteorologists and I kind of would be like, uh, ask them stupid questions about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's the fun part about being, a, it's like saying you're, I don't know, a doctor and they're like, you know, I've been having this pain. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it going to be like tomorrow? Is it going to be rain? Is it going to or... rain next weekend? Because I, I really have plans. Um, <laughs> we got a story suggestion from one of our patrons mm-hmm. and listeners, Brian Lavelle. I think we he's given us another one we've done. So whoever out there is giving us suggestions don't feel bad that we've done two from brian because you know it's okay it's fine this one we had been talking about it but this just was such a great suggestion and it fit really nicely his story suggestion was about roy sullivan who's been struck by and lived through seven lightning strikes is the character that's in the great outdoors with john candy 
based on <laughs> that guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I there's don't know. Like, no, I haven't. There's like a guy, I can't remember, his, maybe he's like Sparky or something. And he's like <laughs> at the bar and he just, every time it rains, he gets struck by lightning. That's amazing. Could be. <laughs> I love that movie, by well, the way. Well, so I looked up Roy Sullivan mm-hmm. and there's a really good Reader's Digest article about oh. him from 2013 by Tom Dunkel. I love the Reader's it's a, Digest. I know, it's it's it was pretty good. So I pulled some from that and some from other sources. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm going to talk about Roy Sullivan. He is a park ranger, also known as a spark ranger. <laughs> so good. So he was born in Greene County, Virginia on February 7th. 1912. So he grew up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, the fourth of 11 children to Arthur and Ida Bell Shiftlet Sullivan. The Sullivans and Shiftlets were pretty well-established mountain folk. I'm not sure what they did, but I think they were pretty poor, you know, kind of were stayed off on their own. Like a lot of people from there, he, he didn't graduate from high school. He was just working outdoors, hiking ridges. He claimed to have shot 30 rabbits in a single day and was selling them for 25 cents a piece. In his early 20s, he joined the Civil Conservation Corps, and he started working at this place called the Skyline Drive at the Shenandoah National Park. And part of his job was to demolish, like, homes of neighbors, claimed lands around it, Mm -hmm. and they had to reforest those areas. So he was in charge of, like, getting rid of the houses or whatever structures were on it. He ended up getting a job at Shenandoah National Park in 1936. Now, between 1942 and 1977... He claimed to have been hit by a lightning on seven different occasions, of course, surviving all of them. So he gained the nicknames the Human Lightning Conductor and the Human Lightning Rod. He is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the person struck by lightning more recorded times than any other human being. Like, I'm wondering if being struck by lightning then somehow ups his chance of being struck by lightning again. You know, like if you get struck once, are you then like somehow charged? I, I don't know. I'm going to talk about some other people that were struck multiple times. Yeah. kind of. There's amazing. only one other that claims to be more than this, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. So he was hired initially for the park's fire patrol. And they said that when he was doing that, he would tell the crew, if a storm comes up, y'all get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and he later became one of three rangers responsible for monitoring this 40 mile stretch from Swift Run Gap to Waynesboro. We don't know a lot about, I don't know, I don't think I've been to Shenandoah National Park, but I know we've talked about it when we talked about the... um, The AT. mm -hmm. Anyway, so William Nichols was one of his supervisors for about five years, and he said he was an uneducated but very intelligent man. I love that. Yeah. Because you don't have to have a formal education to be an intelligent intelligent human. Agreed. Obviously. And and if you have a formal education, you're not always intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Exactly. But they said he loved telling a story. In a word, he was a character. But a gracious one, apparently. He shared his practical experience with colleagues who had college degrees. He knew all the different tree species um, even when all the leaves were off in the dead of winter. And so everybody kind of looked up to him. They just like, he's a cool guy. Can you imagine being the the intern one year showing up and, and he says that to you? Like, hey, you guys, if it's storming, like... Just stay away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come around me. Like, Maybe this isn't the field for me. <laughs> <laughs> so in his life, he had four wives. And this is all from genealogy records. So they say in 1932 at age 20, he was married to Martha Herring. They had a son, Roy Jr., but I guess he died in 1996. I mean, he had a full 
life. Yeah. There's not much about him. After that, he married Madeline Shiftlet. I'm like turning my head to you. Like, is that his cousin? I don't know. Sounds I mean, like keeping it in the family. What is it? Like third cousins? No big deal. This is like in thirties <laughs> or forties. I don't know. You know, it's all maybe good. they didn't know even though she had a name. That I was mean, just like his name. Franklin Roosevelt married uh, his cousin, right? His cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eleanor. So Eleanor was already Roosevelt when she so she didn't even have to change her I name. I mean it makes it easier. It does. <laughs> Paperwork wise. It's just anyway, so he married Madeline Shiflet. In 1943. And then in 1953, so 10 years later, he married Vinda Blackwell. Almost 10 years later from that, in March 1962, he married this lady, Patricia Morris, or Pat. She's later referred to Morris. And she was 19 at the time, and he was 50. I did just finish watching this documentary on child brides in the U.S., so... (laughs) Well, she was 19. uh, Yeah, she's 19, but still, that's like... I mean, you know, she's old enough to make her own decisions. She wasn't Uh like a 13 or 14-year-old. True. They had three children. I'm sure the town folk had fun with that one. For sure. Let's talk about his lightning strikes. The first one happened in April of 1942. So he had taken shelter in this fire tower. Just had been built. It's like a lookout tower. The tower didn't have any lightning rods. So it just was a lightning rod? It was a lightning rod. And it got struck eight times. Because it was getting hit over and over again. That fire had like was jumping around in the building and he freaked out and jumped out of the building. And when he left to run out, he got struck within a few feet leaving. This lightning burned a half inch strip across his leg and hit his toe and it burned an actual hole in his shoe. I think this is the one where he said it burned a hole in his shoe, but the laces were still tied. What? Yeah, it's crazy. And then it was like 27 years, nothing happened. So 27 years later, July 1969, he was near uh, milepost 97 on Skyline Drive. And it was kind of rainy, but also like that muggy, hot, rainy thing. And he was driving... It just says driving southbound. I don't know if this means probably somebody that knows the area. It would mean something. But he was driving in the southbound lane and he was like on a S-curve road Mm. when there was some lightning that hit these two trees on that side of the road and then deflected into the northbound lane and took out a third tree. And in between, the bolt passed through the open window of his truck and hit him. His wristwatch got cooked i guess because it probably was attracted to the watch maybe he had like a metal watch it fried his eyebrows and any hair that was not protected by his hat oh no burned off yeah he just looked like a monk (laughs) yes basically that's i'm trying to like because this is awful i feel terrible like that's kind of funny because you should be okay in a car you should be okay. Yes, car. but I think because the window was open and he was probably driving, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if his watch was on that outside and it's mm. metal and it just attracted it, right? You know why? Because he was at ten and two. Because at that time they wouldn't have had <laughs> they wouldn't have had um, seatbelt, no oh. automatic steering fluid in the car. Oh, so, yeah. Because you know, like call. now, now you don't have to have ten and two. You can hold the bottom of your steering wheel because you have automatic. Yes, steering whatever. Wow. I worked at a tire shop. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> 10 and 2. That's what got him. Yeah. So he lost consciousness, actually, and his truck <laughs> rolled into a ditch. Oh, no. But he was okay. He was okay. <laughs> he was, because this is only number two. That's number two. Oh, so the third strike occurred exactly one year later in July of 1970. So July, stormy season. He was married to Pat, Patricia at that time. So mm-hmm. Pat and Roy were living in this trailer house. Mm Because they're kind of living on the edge of the park. Mm. And um, it's at this place called Sawmill Run. 
And he was just out working in his garden. And while he's out there, lightning randomly came out of the of a very clear sky. It hit a power transformer near the trailer and then smashed into his left shoulder. And it sent him like airborne, like flying in the air. I'm just like... This is insanity. It's insane. And so a month later, his wife got hit. What? But she's, it was only one time and she was just standing in the front yard. This is like a cartoon. I know, right? <laughs> so now strike four. That So the last one was in July 1970. So now a couple years later, April 16th, 1972, he was in this small guardhouse um, at Loft Mountain and he was registering carloads of visitors that were driving onto the campground. I guess there was like not even anything happening like weather-wise. And then all of a sudden this lightning hit the building and hit a fuse box inside the guardhouse. And there was fire again bouncing around inside the station. He said, when my ear stopped ringing, I heard something sizzling. And he said, it was my hair on fire. Jesus. <laughs> like, he just, I would just shave my head at that point. Yeah. I'd yeah. just be like, I'm good. So he put his head in the stink, but it wouldn't fit under the, like, inside, the under thing. the spigot yeah, thing. Yeah. And so he got wet paper towels to put the fire out on his head. And then he went to the hospital in Waynesboro and he said that, I don't know, like I'm trying to live a good life. He said, but God has seemed hell bent on barbecuing him. What did he do to Zeus? So at there that, must have been something. Whenever they interviewed him around this time, he mm-hmm. said that, um, well, when he was a young kid and he was cutting wheat in the field, that lightning bolt had hit his Sith, started a fire in the field. Oh, wow. So it even happened to him as a kid. So some people say he's been struck seven times and something well maybe eight because that happened to him yeah i wonder if there's something about him there's a lot of speculation around this like does he have like some special like mineral some people in the town said that maybe he had a metal plate in his head but everybody's like nah that's not true after this strike four that's when the guinness book of world records people were like whoa this guy (laughs) they're very thorough they need Mm -hmm. evidence they need lots of proof and there really wasn't a lot except for he did have his doctor the local doctor that vouched for him and also the state park workers or whoever was supervising him also said yeah this is actually really happening that was in 1972 they had to update the entry because in august 7 1973 he got hit again jesus (laughs) so i guess there's no national park service documentation on this one but i guess the details are that he gave his account a couple of weeks later that he was driving his truck again on skyline drive he saw a storm coming and he was trying to outrace it (laughs) and once he got out of range he stopped to have a look and i guess he didn't drive far enough and he said i actually saw the lightning shoot out of the cloud this time and it was coming straight for me (laughs) and that's when it hit him in the head Shut up. They said it was a headshot. It ignited another hair fire and sent him pin pinwheeling. <laughs> it's not funny, but I mean, he lived. So <laughs> when I think about his hair on fire and that he's pinwheeling. This is awful. They said that a flash funneled down his left arm and leg, knocking off his shoe. Oh, no, this is the one where it said it knocked off his shoe, but it didn't untie the lace. Uh-huh. He said that he had dreamed about this in advance. Oh, and he had had another follow-up dream after that where he thought that was it. There was going to be no more lightning strikes. But he, he was wrong. He was wrong. <laughs> there was a change of plans in the universe. And on June 5th, 1976... He got hit a sixth time. This time he was walking alone on Sawmill Shelter Trail about a mile from where the Strike 2 happened in 1969. After that, he retired. 
from the park service. <laughs> he was like, five months later, he's like, I'm done. Him and his wife, Pat, moved to this plot of land that was just north of Waynesboro. The area is called Dooms, like D-O-O-M-S. No. They parked their little, their house trailer there, and he bought all these lightning rods and put them, like, four of them all around his trailer. They were, like, on the four corners of the trailer, and he put more rods on their TV antenna, electric meter, and on six of the tallest trees. And so each of them was made of this heavy-gauge copper wire, Mm -hmm. and he sunk them seven feet into the ground. He was like, I'm not messing around. I don't want to get struck by lightning anymore. So on June 25th, 1977, (laughs) he was trout fishing when all of a sudden he said he smelt sulfur and felt the hair on his arms bristle like goosebumps, apparently, I guess is what that means. Seconds later, he took another shot in the head, knocked him into the water, hair on fire, gone. He had burns to his chest, stomach. He also lost his hearing in one ear. Oh, man. Holes were burned into his T-shirt and underwear. He pulled himself together. They say he he said he scrambled to his car. And then while he was doing all this, a black bear swiped at him because he had food and trout. (laughs) He somehow got home. And Pat was like, good God, Roy. (laughs) Again? So Pat was like, get him... Get in the truck. Let's go to the hospital. By then, she's just mad. So I guess he talked about the bear that time that he smacked it in the snout with a tree branch. And he said that this was the 22nd bear attack he'd fought off. This guy. But I mean, he's a park ranger for all those years. I mean, we know a lot about bear safety now that Mm -hmm. people didn't know back then. They were just like leaving food everywhere. He just has trout in his pocket. (laughs) He's like, can I just have the trout and go? Because I heard you get struck by lightning a lot. (laughs) I don't want to be close to you. In another interview after that, he said some chemical, some mineral in his body made him susceptible to lightning. He said, I have a feeling, he added, I'm going to be struck again someday. But before that could happen, he actually died in September 28th, on September 28th, 1983, only not from lightning. Apparently, he was lying in bed, and um, this is a trigger warning for suicide. He was lying in his bed next to, next to his wife, supposedly killed himself with a 22 caliber pistol. Uh above his right ear in the article by reader's digest because okay my first thought is hitting getting struck by lightning affects everything causes depression it affects your how you think it can cause ptsd so i was like well maybe and then i read in this other article he had completed suicide because he was sad or in love with somebody but i'm like no he's in bed with his wife that didn't really make sense to me i guess there are rumors that maybe pat had something to do with it i don't want to say because i don't yeah, know yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, this, this hey. speculation Spe- speculation no one has been charged but indicted, let's whatever. just say that th- she was in bed next to him apparently he shot himself at 3 a.m and she didn't hear it and didn't wake up mm. didn't report it until the morning and their 10 year old and 13 year old were in the house did they wake up well they're in a different room i don't know but i'm just saying if somebody's sleeping next to you and they're like they say she was a very heavy sleeper i'm like i'll just leave that right there and you guys can speculate all you want (laughs) yeah there you go regardless he passed away at that time he was 71 so all seven of those strikes were documented at the shenandoah national park and because a lot of people were like he's a big talker We don't believe it. He was getting attention from getting struck before. So they're like, maybe he just made it up. On some of them, nobody was actually with him. So they couldn't verify it. But they were the superintendent that was his supervisor for a while was like, not the kind of person to go along with silly stuff. And he really, he must have seen the injuries and known. I mean, I think 
he knew, right? Yeah, and yeah. also his his doctor knew. So so he still holds that record. You know, even though he had this little bit of fame, I guess he suffered socially as a result of it. People were terrified of being anywhere near him because they thought they would get struck as well. Well, yeah. To, to this day, two of his ranger hats are on display at two of the Guinness World exhibit halls in New York City and South Carolina. Are the ranger hats singed? Yes, they have like a hole in them. The odds of being struck by lightning over the period of 80 years has been estimated at one in around, like I said, 15,000. Mm-hmm. I've seen 12,000. This one says 10,000. The probability of being hit seven times is like one in 10 to the 28th. <laughs> That's a lot. It's like 10. I try to look up what that actually is. It's yeah. like 10 octillion, gazillion, gazillion. It's, it's like when your kids make up those things. It's right. like that. It's like super improbable. That's 28 zeros. That's a lot of zeros. Yeah. It's really unlikely, like impossible. When you look at the nature of his work and where, you know, the physical location, that he was more uh, exposed to storms than the average person. Sure. And in Virginia, where he lived, they averaged 35 to 45 thunderstorm days per year. And most of them fall in June, July, and August. So Mm -hmm. a lot of his were in July or June, July. A couple were in April. Between 1959 and 2000, lightning killed 58 people and injured at least... 238 people just in Virginia. It's amazing that he got struck so many times and didn't die. Exactly. So in the U.S., 3,239 people were killed and 13,057 were injured during that same 1959 to 2000. And most of those were males (laughs) between 20 and 40 years old that were outdoors. Drinking beer drink it just being dudes (laughs) mostly fishing fishing is a dangerous sport it is they actually made a short film called dawn versus lightning that was inspired by his story you brought up a good one it's not mentioned here the great outdoors great outdoors um but they're the curious case of benjamin button oh right so there's a character that's at the nursing home mr dawes and he always talks about that he was struck by lightning seven times. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying it over, like, did you know I was struck by lightning seven times? <laughs> did I ever tell you I was struck by lightning? And he says, once when I was repairing a leak on the roof, and once I was just crossing the road. Remember, and then it shows him getting struck. Yeah, yeah. Once I was walking my dog down the road. <laughs> so anyway, most people are struck nowhere near the, what they call the mother cloud. The mother cloud. Like the mother load? Yes. (laughs) At NASA's Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia, the protocol for pilots is to stay 70 nautical miles away from the periphery of a storm. So there's this uh, professor at, she's a professor emeritus. Oh, of emergency medicine at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Her name is Mary Ann Cooper, and she studied strike survivors for like three decades, probably four, because this is probably an older article. And she says it causes chronic pain, brain injury, post-concussion type symptoms. And she says, you and I can filter out distractions and still focus, but one of the things we see with lightning and electric shock patients is that ability is scraped off. Right. It's like they're just kind of all over the place. As we go through these, a lot of it is that it's like they, their brain just it gets wired differently. And it makes me think of how they do electric shock therapy. And it's to kind of like rewire things yeah. in your brain. According to the National Weather Service, there are five types of lightning strikes. There's a direct, a side flash, a ground current, conduction, and streamers. Streamers just sounds too that much sounds like a party. Fun. That's like That's a party. That's like 4th of July right there. Yeah. So a direct strike is what it sounds like. 
It's like you get struck directly on the head, lose all your hair. That usually happens when the person is in an open area. It's not the most common. It's very actually very uncommon. And it's the one that's potentially the most deadly, obviously. Right, right. you're just getting jammed full on. A side flash, also called a side splash, is when lightning strikes a taller object near you. Part of the current jumps from that object to the person, like what happened when it hit oh, the, the transformer, the transformer and then it bounced to him. Yeah. And this happens when the person has taken shelter under a tree. So when you go under a tree, which you're not supposed to do, and we're going to talk about it, okay, everyone, we're going to know what we should do and not do. So when you go under a tree to to avoid the weather, and that's mm-hmm. that's the kind you get. It's that side flash or side splash. Okay. Side splash also sounds fun. Just like, a party in nature. I know, right? It's just splashed with like a million volts of electricity fun so the ground current is when the lightning strikes a tree or another object and the energy travels outward in and along the ground surface so anyone outside near the strike is a potential victim of the ground current and this is the most common one conduction is when lightning travels long distances and wires or other metal surfaces and they say um, the national weather service says metal does not attract lightning it creates a path for it to follow so conduction is the cause of most out or most sorry most indoor casualties from lightning i'll say it later but they say to stay away from like when you're there's a storm outside you're inside you're safe but don't be like messing with the metal stuff in your house Right. Well, and I also heard like not to take a shower. Yeah. Stay away from plumbing. Which always, it seems like whenever we have storms here, I'm like getting into the shower. <laughs> and like, I'm like, uh, oh, I don't know, just I, take a chance. I'll <laughs> take a chance or I'll just shower later. Yeah. Streamers are not common at all. They develop as the downward moving leading strike approaches the ground. So a streamer, like off the main strike, it's like right. a little side. The lightning rod just throws it out like a streamer. Exactly. That's great. But very uncommon, that one. Death by cardiac arrest is the worst scenario. Other potential effects, it's very unpredictable, right? Depending mm-hmm. on how it affects your body of where you get hit. Based on these, some injury reports from members of lightning strike and electrical shock survivors, it's, which is a North Carolina-based support group, they, they have annual meetings in Tennessee. And this is some of the people that are in it. Cheryl, she was hit while on the phone with her husband to warn him about a storm. Oh, no. And now she has petite mal seizures. Oh, no. Mike was hit while golfing. He was completely paralyzed and is slowly recovering. Rachel, she was hit while she was in once while she was indoors and again while she was outdoors. Nope. No lasting effects. She's fine. Geneva, she was hit once indoors and once outdoors. She gets headaches, chronic pain, digestive problems, fatigue, sensitivity to barometric pressure. Angela was hit three times. She has severe neuropathy, chronic pain, digestive problems, aphasia. Sounds like somebody's name. It sounds like you're eating something, but not. Apraxia, frontal lobe damage, short-term memory loss, and post-traumatic stress disorder. I I feel like all of them probably have PTSD. I think so. And then there's this other really odd case of this lady, Nina Lazzaroni. She's from Ohio. And she, after she was hit, she was struck in 1995. Mm -hmm. And now she, when she walks around, lights will flick on and off when she passes street lamps. What? The street lamps around billboards and parking lots, like it'll all flicker. And they, she says, they come back on after I leave the area and turn off again when I return. She should. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Um, she should get a job in like the horror film industry as like one of those creepy like ghosty things that yes. goes like down. What if she's just you know, like uh, just like just flicker. such a you know normal human? Right? If I were her, 
I would definitely tell children that I was an X-Man. Oh, that's it. I would be like... That's totally it. There is an X-Men that does that, right? That can like do... Yeah, well, I mean, there's Storm. She like creates oh, storms, yeah, yeah, yeah. like weather. Yeah. But um, but no, I think I would be like either... Either I'd be like, I'm a wizard. Right, you're a wizard, yes. Ari. Or I would be like, I'm an X-Men. And then they'd be like, well, prove it. And I'd be like, fine. You get your wand and you're like, I'm going to walk over there and the lights will go off. And you're like, ziggity, zaggity, zoom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's done. Lie to children, everybody. There are a lot of others that have been hit multiple times. I have a top 10. And Roy is on this list. And this is all in the US. I don't know why, but maybe we just, they didn't have data from other countries. Lightning strikes and aliens only happen in the US. Pretty much. This guy, Jim Lamey. I'm sorry. Did you just say Lamey? <laughs> L-A-M-E-Y. Is Jim alive still? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. So Jim Lamey, LeMay. How maybe about it's, that? Yeah, LeMay. I'm going to say LeMay. LeMay. He was hit twice in his house. Basically, one of the safest steps to take during an electrical storm is to go inside because your chances of being struck by lightning are low, but not completely eliminated. In 2009, Jim was showering inside his Pennsylvania home when a bolt of lightning shaking his entire house connected with the water pipes. The strike threw him out of his tub. Mm-hmm. knocking him out although his head was still hanging over the tub luckily his son was there nearby to save him from drowning oh no like his head was in the tub he he kind of like fell out of the tub a little so that his okay. head was out of it okay, but if okay. it was if not then he would have drowned isn't oh that crazy God, that's nuts yeah but his son came and helped him because he was out cold so six years later he was struck a second time through the sink while doing dishes are we listening right now just go sit in the middle of your house and the strike at that time knocked him unconscious he later woke up in a chair with stomach pain unsure of how he even got there so luckily he survived both strikes with no lasting injuries other than the scars from the burns that the strikes caused and they do leave some interesting burns that actually look like lightning. When it hits you, it's like your veins rupture in a way. Number nine, Alexander Mandon was struck four times in six months. He was serving in the Colombian army for the first three. Oh, so maybe this isn't all US. Anyway, so he was serving in the Colombian army the first three times he was struck by lightning and then he was discharged. <laughs> They're like, bro, <laughs> something is wrong with you. Just go home. They're like, uh, you're a liability. Yeah, for we sure. We can't have you around our equipment anymore. <laughs> At first, he was like, okay, maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't be in the army. But mm. then after he was discharged and sent home, he got struck again. And this was in 2013. The one thing that's really interesting about it is that the, he was struck four times in six months. The prescribed cure for the fourth lightning strike by his town doctor, and there's a picture of this in the articles, they wanted him to be buried in the ground with his neck, or up to his neck with his head sticking out of the ground for two hours so that the earth would absorb the electricity running through his body. Unfortunately, there was a (laughs) mix-up. Somebody didn't read all the directions, and you're supposed to be upright in the ground, like straight, and he was laying down. Oh, like horizontal. Didn't work. Okay, that is actually one of my biggest fears, being buried upright with just your head sticking out. Yeah, it's super creepy. And imagine like people just leave you. Well, you are completely reliant on somebody to come and get you out of that situation. Well, wasn't that like a way they killed people? Like I feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, thank you. Just terrible. Okay, number eight, Bob Edwards was struck three times, twice on the same road. Don't go on that road. Listen, Bob, this happened in North Carolina. His third time was when he was leaving a restaurant and he was walking to his truck. 
Mm-hmm. And he had to crawl to the restaurant where this little girl saw him and ran to her dad for help. Oh, no. And he stated that being struck felt like getting hit in the chest with a hammer. A couple of days after the strike, he still had ringing in his ears. He couldn't focus and he had a metallic taste in his mouth. So when he was struck on that road before 1997, rescuers had to revive him three oh. times. Um, he was also struck by lightning in South Carolina in 2009. So it looks like 97 and 2009 was when he got hit on that particular road. Mm. And one was like by a restaurant, I guess. When he was struck in 2009, he didn't have any injuries from that. But he does he, he does have PTSD from all of these. For sure. And he said that's been the hardest part. Can you imagine three times? Yeah, I wouldn't go on that road anymore. Number seven is Bill Cowern. He was hit twice. Bill Cowern was a tree farmer. Well, he was struck first when he was 12 years old. He was swimming in a lake with his friends and saw a bolt of lightning strike the other end of the lake, which was seven miles away. And he recalled that he and his friends could feel the tingling in the water after the strike and decided at that point that was time to get out of the water. But while he was walking home in this little pine forest, a lightning struck a nearby tree and knocked him out. He woke up feeling dizzy and without recollection of how he even got there, but he did notice that the tree, which had been struck by lightning, was still smoking. Jeez. They fe- he estimated that he was out for about an hour and a half that time when he was 12. And the second time, there was a thunderstorm. This time he was 35 years old. He was working outside. He decided to go do some work in a garage because there was a thunderstorm and mm-hmm. a bolt of lightning hit another tree nearby connected with Bill through the ground. So this was one of the ground... Right. Strikes. And he was said he was bending over when he was struck and the bolt of lightning seized his muscles and it caused him to involuntarily like straighten out, like pop up. Oh, God. <laughs> Is that crazy? Oh. But he said he didn't suffer any like oh, good. lasting Like effects. there's just like a shelf right behind him. <laughs> he just hits his head. Yeah, poor guy. That's awful. Walter Summerfor- Summerford. <laughs> Walter Summerford. <laughs> Uh, good old Walter. Good old Walter. This is this is an old one. This is a good old Walter. He was hit three times in life and once in death. Come on, lightning. This is a legendary case. He was first struck in 1918, and he was a major serving in World War One, and it knocked him off his horse. So you know what happened to the horse. Oh, probably. no. And then again in 1924 when he was out fishing, mm. it hit a nearby tree. Oh, he's on a fishing outing. It says, hit a nearby tree connected with him through the ground. Again in 1930, he was walking through a park and he was struck for a third time. That strike left him paralyzed. Oh. And so two years after this third strike in 1930, he died mm-hmm. um, and was buried. And after that, four years after he was buried, a streak of lightning cracked his gravestone. So that was the fourth time he got struck. The odds. Number five, Casey Wagner was twice in a split second. So they say, whoever said lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place looks very bad in this story. (laughs) In 2013, Casey Wagner, um, a Texas rodeo clown, was attending (laughs) Rednecks with Paychecks. (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute come on let me read my story Jeez, who are these i just want to say that a lot of these people getting struck by lightning in your stories are a little bit eccentric like there's just some weird shit about listen a rodeo clown attending rednecks for paychecks is that no no no. rednecks with paychecks hey megan come on this is an annual event in st joe texas i mean there's hundreds of people that go to this it's like a redneck convention they go mudding off-roading 
basically Burning Man for rednecks. I guess while all this was good times was happening, a storm gathered above Casey, particularly. I don't know. (laughs) No. And he and his friends um, moved. They're like, well, we better go look for some cover, right? Mm -hmm. Lightning struck Casey twice in a split second while he was standing near a tree. Was he holding his bush light up in the air? (laughs) (laughs) That was a natty light. Sorry, natty light. No, they said it sounded like two shotguns going off. Oh, my God. And that's how he got hit. It doesn't say he survived. Yeah. But it doesn't say if he's how he's doing. Hopefully he was very drunk at that point. Okay, so number four is Michael Cannon. He was struck three times. He's from Alabama. He's a native Alabama man. Is that how you say it? Alabaman? Alabaman. He was struck twice in his early 20s and once in his teens. Mm -hmm. So when he was 16, he was putting up a fence with his dad and lightning struck about a half a mile from him. And it worked its way down the fence and hit him. I'm like, bro, let go of the fence. Anyway, he said he literally saw a ball of lightning coming down the fence. The second time he was working under a truck... When the lightning struck and it traveled along the dampness of the ground, oh, with no. the ground strike. Um, so the first, remember the metal strike? Yeah. That's the conductor, right, right, right. right? And then now he's got a ground strike. And then the third time he was at a friend's house looking at an old car in a barn when he was struck in his hands, singeing the hair off his knuckles and knocking him unconscious. So it must have been another, I don't know, ground strike or conductor mm. or whatever. Uh, did he have a lot of hair on his knuckles? Oh, bro, dude. Do dudes have a lot of... Yes. You know what? It's been a long time since I've been intimately aware of men's hands, but I'm just saying... Listen, it's a problem. It's a thing. Megan needs to meet somebody soon. <laughs> She's forgetting what men look like altogether. <laughs> like gorilla hands. No, but they have a little. Number three, Beth Peterson was struck twice. She wrote a book about being struck by lightning called Life After Lightning. She was hit... For the first time while she was working as an army specialist stationed at Fort Benning in Georgia. And this was in July of 1992. She was walking outside when the storm came in and she was hit by lightning, not through ancillary contact, but head on. Oh, Oh, a direct strike. She claims that she died at that time, which I... Oh, I believe it. Yeah. And she had a near-death experience after the lightning strike, during which God gave her a choice of whether to return to Earth or stay in heaven. Um, She was told that if she went back to Earth, she would be in pain. But she would have the opportunity to help out a lot of people. Exactly almost a year later, while she was still living in Georgia and trying to get over the fear inflicted from the first strike, she got struck a second time. Come on. So while her emotional recovery was difficult because she suffers from panic panic attacks, especially when there's a storm, her recovery has been physical as well. She had all 10 of her toes amputated as a result of the lightning strikes, and she has debilitating headaches. Oh, so she's number three for good reason. Because that's a direct strike, which is very rare. And then number two, good old Roy. Oh, Roy's number two. He's number two. Oh, my God. Number one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Melvin Roberts of South Carolina claims he has been struck by lightning 11 times. In 2011, he said he had been struck by lightning six times. And by 2015, he claimed to have been struck five more times. The occasions included while he was sitting on the porch, twice while he was riding a lawnmower. So his wife makes sure that she is always standing far away from him whenever there's a storm because she said someone has to call 911. Oh my God. (laughs) So of course he's gotten a lot of notoriety about it. Apparently has all the medical records that prove it, but not enough to prove it to the Guinness Book of World Records, which he's tried. And they said that it's 
not sufficient. He stated that being hit by lightning is like being cooked from the inside out. So he has stated that he suffers headaches, speech problems, nerve damage, and memory loss. He even has sometimes trouble remembering the, his kids' like lives, like their oh, childhood. Yeah. yeah. 11 times. 11 times. That's... Well, I feel like all of these people should pack up and move someplace where there is not a lot of lightning. I feel like islands don't get a lot because storms pass over so quickly. Yes. And there's there's not, not a lot, a lot to connect to. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about lightning. Every second, about 100 lightning bolts strike the earth. I think we talked about that a little bit. In the US alone, that's uh, lightning hits the ground 25 million times a year. So like we said, it's like a gigantic electrical spark, a spark that can be five miles long. It would take up to 80 million car batteries to equal the power of one thunderbolt. It's a lot of car batteries. A single lightning flash has enough energy to light a 100 watt bulb for three months. I just want you to know I got this from Nat Geo Kids. Which, <laughs> which begs the question, why are we not harnessing this energy? Maybe it's expensive to do. I don't know. Money. You're like Frankenstein. Light travels faster than sound. Did you know that? Physics. That's why we usually see lightning before we hear thunder. Here it is. Any Poltergeist fans out there, to determine how far away lightning storm is from you, count the seconds between the flash and the crack. Watch for the flash of lightning from a safe location, friends, not in the shower. <laughs> Time how long it is before you can hear the thunder. Divide the number of seconds by five. The answer is the approximate number of miles away. That's good to know. You know, I think someone, I, I think a lot of people think it's just like you can you like one, 1,000, two, 1,000, and then that's the miles it's away. But yeah, by no. five, divided by five. Okay. Divided by five. So here's some fun facts about lightning. Let's hear it. Well, I think you know this because I just talked about it, but you can't have thunder without lightning. Mm -hmm, I already mm -hmm. talked about that. I love thunder. Your dogs hate thunder though. It's the saddest thing ever. Kenai yeah. just shakes like uncontrollably. It's so mm. sad. Lightning strike victims develop a strange rash. They get temporarily covered in what's known as Lichtenberg figures. Their branching tree-like pattern creates created by the passage of high voltage electrical discharges along the skin. Lightning strikes can explode a tree. Imagine 15 million volts of electricity hitting a tree branch. The most likely result, the heat travels through the tree, vaporizing its sap and creating steam that causes the trunk to explode. Lightning strikes hundreds of times per hour over one South American lake. Bolts of lightning eliminate the sky above um, the intersection of the Catatumbo River and Lake Maracaibo in northwestern Venezuela more than 300 nights a year. Harness that shit. I know. I bet that's where you could do it. Flashing several times a second. So this is because there's warm trade winds from the mm. Caribbean Sea that they mix with this cool air descending from the Andes to create this unusual weather pattern that helped the area set the record for the world's most lightning bolts per square kilometer Another thing is petrified lightning is a real thing. When lightning strikes sand or a rock, the extreme heat can fuse minerals beneath the surface into a tube called a fulgurite. Relatively rare, these lightning fossils have been found around the world. I just want you to know, Jen, that I know that because I saw that movie with Reese Witherspoon and that other like super hot guy. I can't forget it. I don't remember his name, but um, I think it's called Sweet Home Alabama. And he oh. makes glassworks out of lightning in the sand. Romantic comedy 101. Yeah, it was... Not a good movie. I feel like it wasn't. She was like a city slicker. Yeah. Okay. Coming yeah. in and then she finds her roots again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, always. I think I remember something mm -hmm. about that. And then here's another one. A lot of people are afraid of getting hit by lightning. It's actually a phobia. So called astrophobia. 
It's the third mm. most common phobia in America behind acrophobia, which is fear of heights, and zoophobia, which is fear of animals. <gasps> Not our people. People are afraid of animals? Oh, yeah. I kind of looked up what are the most common 10 phobias. Yeah. And yeah, they're acrophobia, fear of heights, teromorhanophobia, fear of flying, claustrophobia, fear of enclosed spaces. Oh, my God. All three of those. Entomophobia, fear of insects, mm. which could also be like arachnophobia. Some people just have fear of spiders. spiders. Mm-hmm. Ophidiophobia. Which is fear of snakes. I'm probably saying this all wrong. Xenophobia, fear of dogs. Well, dogs are kind of crazy. I think people who have a fear of dogs had a bad experience with the dog when they were little or something like yep. that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. Astrophobia, which, yeah, fear of storms. Trypanophobia, fear of needles. Okay, let's talk about some myths. Let's hear it. This is from the National Weather Service. Cars are safe uh, because the rubber tires insulate them from the ground. Myth. Yes. The truth is rubber tires provide no protection from lightning. Cars are safe because of their metal shell and steel frame. But convertibles, Megan, are not safe. (laughs) (laughs) Just seems so. Got it. (laughs) Common sense. This is, they're all myths, so I'm not going to ask you to guess because they're. they're I was really going to be just like. You're like, myth. (laughs) Myth. (laughs) T-M-T-M. Lightning strike victims are electrified and should not be touched. That is not true. They carry no residual electric charge. It's perfectly safe to touch a lightning victim to give them first aid, which you absolutely should 100%. Another myth. If it's not raining, then there's no danger from lightning. I mean, Roy taught us something else. Just Roy clear was skies. Like, yeah, clear skies. It often strikes outside of the rain areas to as much as 10 miles. Wow. You could not even know there's a storm. That's why you have to look at the National Weather Service and see what's happening with the weather. Ask yeah. your meteorologist friend. This is a myth. Heat lightning occurs after very hot summer days and poses no hazard. Heat lightning is actually a term. This is the truth. (laughs) Heat lightning is a term used to describe lightning from a thunderstorm too far away for the thunder to be heard. So the lightning hazard increases as you move toward the storm and eventually the thunder will also be heard. Whenever I've thought of heat lightning, I've been in Georgia it's like kind of muggy. Yes. It's yes. real super duper muggy mm-hmm. and it's like overcast, but there aren't storm clouds, you know, it's just kind of gray, mm-hmm. but there's no like actual big buildup of clouds. And you don't hear the thunder. And you don't hear anything. You just see it and you're like, but what you the hell? you just see the lightning and yeah. you're like, what? It's just too far away. Yeah. That's heat lightning. Crazy, huh? Okay. No lie. I kind of like that. It's very like Southern Gothic. Yeah. Oklahoma is, is known for being just it's crazy because like, it's just so flat. I yeah. Mean, it's just... All you kinds can see of. for so far. It's kind of a romantic lightning. I kind of miss it. I miss the weather. Yeah. Yeah. We're just like in the a perpetual change, summer. The change in seasons. Yep. Mm-hmm. I miss it. Here's a couple more from another site. So these are different than the national. Those were the ones for the National Weather Service. And these were some others I found. Golfers are at the most risk for getting hit. Oh, no. My dad's a golfer. False. Oh, okay. Good. I mean, they do, but not true. Among the 261 people killed by lightning between 2006 and 2013, fishermen accounted for more than three times as many fatalities as golfers. They're just sitting there with a lightning rod in their just hands. waiting. And camping and boating each also had almost twice as many deaths as golf. So, I mean, golf, you're oh. still taking a risk. Well, sure. Because there's really nowhere to shelter. Yeah, go, go to the club, get your Arnold Palmer, just chill out, get a mint julep. But go indoors completely. Yeah. Just stay out of the bathroom. Yeah. Don't drink too many because then you'll have to go to the bathroom. It, exactly. So many things. This is um, a myth that the 30-30 rule can keep you safe. Let me tell you what the 30-30 rule is because mm-hmm. you guys are all going to be enlightened. It sounds so smart. Enlightened. Uh, no <laughs> pun intended. Actually, pun intended. Pun intended. Thanks for pointing that out. This 
30-30 rule was if it takes less than 30 seconds to hear thunder after seeing the lightning flash, lightning is close enough to pose a threat, so you go inside. After the storm ends, wait 30 minutes before resuming your outdoor activities. Based on the information that you have taught us today, Jen, I know that that's a myth. Instead, the new advice is just go inside either a substantial shelter or hard-topped metal vehicle at the first sound of thunder. They recommend waiting a half hour before going back outside. The general rule that we use is that if you can hear thunder, you're within striking distance of the storm. You need to go inside right away, period. Don't ever think, don't think about anything else. Just get the hell inside. Um, this is a myth. If you're caught outside, assume the lightning squat. <laughs> Which makes me think, I think I've talked about it before that, it used, I mean, it's old. It's old, like an old meme or old thing where like different, like dudes doing all these crazy poses to take pictures. Oh, Do you remember that? We talked about that, I think, on the panda episode <laughs> yeah. because those people falling into panda enclosures and you're yes. like, they're probably <laughs> they're doing some crazy pose to try to get the best angle. Is that a yeah. lightning squat? Right. Okay, so the idea is to squat down low with your feet together. In some instances, had you putting your hands over your head, like this is if you're outside and you can't shelter, get yourself into a ball. Like an air raid deal in the 50s, like when they go underneath the desk and you cover your head with your hands. Yeah, it's like a tornado. A tornado drill. Yeah, Yeah. we used to do tornado drills and I'm like, really? If you're crouching on the ground, you're likely to get hit. Best advice is to get to a shelter. But I think I've seen in other things when you there is no shelter that that's what you're supposed to do and then another one was just go ahead with your plans during a lightning storm i don't even need to go there it's just a bad decision and megan don't ever take any chances with lightning is the bottom line what i'm hearing you say jen is that i should stay inside my house never take showers don't go near the dishes I mean, this feels like... Feels like the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. They should do a study. <laughs> <laughs> I think the strikes have gone down. Right? Yeah. For sure. So what happens when you get struck by lightning? Just so you know, out of every 10 people struck, and struck is an interesting, like I said, because there's all kinds of ways to get affected by yeah. lightning, um, nine will survive. Oh. But you can suffer a variety of short and long-term effects like cardiac arrest, confusion, seizures, dizziness, muscle aches, deafness, headaches, memory deficits, distractibility, personality changes, and chronic pain, among others. Talk to your doctor before <laughs> getting a prescription of lightning. <laughs> A lot of times the survivor survivors will talk about the entry and exit wounds. Um, it's difficult to figure out precisely the path that lightning will take. And this is coming again from Marianne Cooper, who's that retired emergency doctor. Mm. Lightning is responsible for 4,000 deaths worldwide, worldwide annually. And what she says is that a lot of times it just depends how it affects you, right? If it hits you, it can stop your heart. But your heart has its own built-in pacemaker, so it mm-hmm. can just like like pick back up. And they say one of the most important things to do if somebody's struck by a lightning is to give them CPR, because a lot of times you can bring them back. And a lot of times by not doing CPR or before when they didn't know, people didn't know it, people would die more frequently than now. And the other thing is if you're struck by lightning and it hits your brain, that's a different thing because it'll kind of like rewires your brain Mm -hmm. and then another way is if it goes in your ear that can cause you know burst your ear but there's a thing about it getting into your bloodstream 
kind of depends on its pathway, I guess. Right. And where it hits your body and how as to how badly affected you could be. Survivors typically talk about changes in personality and mood, even bouts of depression. Dr. Cooper, she uses the analogy that lightning rewires the brain in much the same way that an electric shock can scramble a computer. That's the scariest part, right? Is that could really change somebody's personality. And Mm. they say that's the most common thing. And they also say that when someone's hit by lightning, it happens so vast. So fast that only a very tiny amount of um, electricity ricochets through the body. And the majority travels around the outside in like a flashover effect. What causes these external burns is that as lightning ashes over the body, it comes into contact with like sweat or raindrops on the skin. And that liquid water increases in volume when it's turned to steam. So even a small amount can create this vapor explosion. So it literally explodes the clothes off, sometimes the shoes. Um, So she said that, however, the shoes are more likely to be torn or damaged on the inside because that's where the heat builds up and the vapor Mm. explosion occurs. And the steam interacts differently with different clothing, depending. So if you're wearing a leather jacket, Megan, that traps the steam inside. So it'll burn your skin. So Hang up your leather jackets. Only wear seersucker. <laughs> and polyester also can melt. So yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. like, I your clothes just melt it off. So not only are you passed out from getting struck by lightning, but you're just naked. You're like stuck in that melted leisure suit forever. Polyester can melt just leaving a few pieces behind. <laughs> oh no. It's just so embarrassing. <laughs> just not the way to go, everybody. No. You're probably still alive. It's just everybody's staring at you. All your hair is singed off. You're naked with your polyester. Um <laughs> sorry. Most people lost consciousness and about a third experienced some temporary paralysis in their arms or legs, which I did when I got <laughs> Yeah. I had some temporary paralysis, some instant sadness a lot of people have damaged their eyes and ears they can even develop cataracts the main theme here is this i kept reading this over and over on things when thunder roars go indoors the national weather service Mm -hmm. needs to call up garth brooks and be like listen bro do us a solid can you redo the thunder when the thunder rolls when the thunder rolls Going dust. <laughs> so there's this place um, called the U.S. National Lightning Detection Network. It's in Tucson, Arizona. And they can see where um, cloud to ground lightning is flashing in real time everywhere. So they have these like uh, sensors kind of positioned in places around the world. And then they have the satellite data that shows certain regions of the world are being affected. And especially, I guess, places that are closer to the equator, which we are are most lightning dense. Oh, really? Yeah. But also um, in South America, like Venezuela, Colombia, uh, and then in Africa, you've got the Democratic Republic of Congo, and then um, Pakistan. Those are all among the top 10 lightning hotspots. Oh. So if you're looking at victims of lightning statistics, I kind of put all of them here, but the number one is Mexico. Oh, wow. And on average, they have about 223 deaths per year. Three Mexico City climate researchers published this comprehensive study of 7,300 deaths due to lightning in Mexico between 1979 to 2011. It's called Deaths by Lightning in Mexico, 1979 to 2011. Threat? Or vulnerability. So they looked at the distribution of fatalities due to lightning and looking into for links to population density 
vulnerability, and other factors. So the number of deaths from lightning averaged 230 a year for that period, time period. Mm-hmm. So given Mexico's population, that means um, a rate of 2.72 fatalities from lightning for every million people. So that's the highest rate in the Americas. So, but it was not distribute, distributed evenly. Only seven of Mexico's 32 states accounted for 60% of all the fatalities. More than 45% of all the deaths from lightning were young males under the age of 25, um, especially between the ages of 10 to 19. And overall, there was like very few females that died from lightning compared to males. The females that were were young, like under 25. And most of them happened during the first half of the rainy season between June and August. The key factor is not just how likely a lightning strike is to occur in a particular place, but also how vulnerable the local populace is. Oh, like what kind of structures they live in or what their work so is? Some, yeah, thing? some sectors of population are much more vulnerable than others. So like those working outdoors are at higher risk than those working indoors. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of areas where they have like a lot of rural workers that are more vulnerable than the urban workers. They're also younger. So you have a lot of people who are super young and working outside all the time Mm. without a very good structure. Exactly. Right. And also education and awareness. A lot of countries saw a fall in deaths from lightning because they had some education on what to do, like safety precautions. So in the U.S., fewer than 40 people now pretty much die each year from lightning compared to about 400 in the 1930s when the population was smaller. They basically said that Mexico, the government, has failed to implement education and prevention strategies and so that's why a lot of people are still getting hit by lightning because either they're like very poor and they don't have what they need or they're uneducated they need like a smoky the bear but for lightning yes for example there was a family with four adult sisters and their five children and they were out working in these maize crops in this little mountain community called el encino it's in mexico's central state there was a storm they sought shelter under a mesquite tree, covered their heads with this plastic sheet. They mm. were struck by lightning. Three of the women and four children died. And the oh, other no. two, it was the eight-year-old boy and 26-year-old woman survived, but they were burned. So it's like that happens a lot of times. And then another of the highest death toll occurs in the poorest um, African and Asian countries, where a lot of the people have to work outside mm. as subsistence farmers, or they and they have very simple homes. So they catch fire easily. The structure's kind of open. So they get hit either through metal or through ground. In Malawi, the annual death rate is 84 per million people compared to that 2.7 per million in Mexico. Mm. And it's only 0.3 per million in the U.S. And another one, India, 2,500 people died from lightning strikes. It's really dependent on socioeconomic factors and not the frequency of lightning strikes is the bottom Mm. line. These same people who study lightning deaths and victims have started this campaign where they're going to different um, schools and places. So, oh, a lot of places in Africa, there's like tons of school kids dying in the school because it's not a safe structure and there's no lightning rod. So it just passes through the school. So there'll be like teachers and kids and like half of them will die. And this happens all the time. What? Yes. Like this is like a thing. I had no idea. So they, what happens is they hit these, like, they call them ramshackle schools. It's probably very right. similar to what we were, <laughs> like, the kids in where we were Peace Corps. Yeah. But it causes hundreds of deaths of children each year. And so they have this African center for Centers for Lightning and Electromagnetics. Basically, they're trying to raise money to install these lightning rods to keep this from happening because it's just, like, 
It's like a real problem. Well, and the fact that all you would really need is that lightning rod. It's just like a long piece of metal you stick into the ground. Yes. That's it? That's it. Jeez. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. I didn't go into it entirely, but yeah. We know it's in the U.S. I wanted to talk about the state where there's the most lightning. Oh, there's one state? There's the one state that's considered the lightning capital of is the U.S. Is it North Carolina? No. <laughs> is it Georgia? No. Just is it, guess. Is it Oklahoma? It's the wang of the U.S. Oh, Florida. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, actually, because it, there's like this there's like this thing that happens in Florida every day at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. A lot of storms, like random showers yeah, in yeah. Florida. Yeah, it's a thing. So and a lot of people are outside there. Cause All it's the time. Florida. It's Florida. So the National Weather Service says Florida is a lightning capital of the country with more people dying from strikes in the state each year than any other state. The reason is because they have more lightning there mm-hmm. and they're fourth in population, I guess, for a state. They have so many people. In 2019, 20 people died from lightning strikes. And in 2020, it was 17. And they say it's usually teenage boys, followed by people in their 30s and then people in their 20s. A lot of them were fishing deaths. There was 40 fishing deaths, 25 beach deaths. 20 were from camping, 18 boating. More than 70% of them happened during June, July, August. I mean, people are out on the water. It's just, it's gonna happen. It's true. But I feel like younger people might be like... Who cares? Let's just go. It's going to be fun. For sure. You don't see anybody on here and they're like 40s, 50s. <laughs> We're all inside. They're like, I'll be inside. Because of Florida's unique location and it's surrounded by warm water, provides everything that it needs for the for a thunderstorm to happen. The perfect storm. It's the perfect storm. Or Jen, you could interpret that as Florida is being punished. For, for being Florida. For being Florida. <laughs> <laughs> On so many levels. Become a hermit. Never leave. Never leave your house. It's a lightning pandemic. You can get everything delivered to you. <laughs> it's possible. Get in your cuddle puddle with your cats and dogs. Exactly. Stay and just stay on your bed. Don't sh- no need to shower. You know, agoraphobia is fine. <laughs> That's the only phobia that you're gonna. Nothing's you're, gonna happen to you. No lightning. No will lightning. affect you in your life. Yeah. Your chance. The odds go real high on that one. <laughs> um, when lightning is in your area, go inside a closed building. Carports, open garages, covered patios, and pavilions are not adequate shelter. Don't sit on the porch. Check the forecast before going outside. I never check the forecast here because it's the same every day. If it's raining, that's the time that I check the forecast to see like, is there a storm coming? Are we getting a typhoon? That's all I need to know. Just tell me when we're getting one. Yeah. If you're doing work or activities outside, have a buddy checking the skies for you. I'll be that friend for you while you're working outside. (laughs) I'll be sitting there with my, what's the drink? What kind of drink do you want? My Palmer. With your Arnold Palmer? With my Arnold Palmer. Or your mint julep? I'll be sitting there just, I'll be like, I don't know. I see a few scattered clouds, Megan. Probably we should just go inside. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like a lightning buddy? Got a lightning buddy. Don't take shelter under a tree, especially if it's tall and isolated. Just don't. Movies really have ruined romantic romantic comedies, romantic dramas. Yeah, have ruined us for being safe in uh, in a storm environment because people do the stupidest things in movies they when make it's storming. Out. They That's make when out. they decide that they love each other. Yeah, they go yeah. fishing. They're out in like a boat. Oh yeah, they they're like you know run unto under the only tree in the field. You know and- yes. Don't believe the movies, you guys. You could die. Both of you get struck by lightning. Hey, get out of the water. Don't get out of your pool. Get out of the lake, river, ocean, whatever. You're standing in a puddle. Get the hell out of there. And then you know what? If you're on a beach, get off the beach too. Just stop it. 
<laughs> Stop trying to have fun. Go home. Do nothing. That's the point. Get some freaking Taco Bell on your way home. <laughs> Just you're in your car. You're fine. <laughs> Pay with plastic. Put down metal objects. It was the next one. So there you go. Like fishing poles and move away from metal objects. Just whatever metal object. If you're looking at some sculpture, you're like, that's interesting. Go home. Um, if you're indoors, avoid contact with electrical equipment and cords like podcasting. Move <laughs> away from windows. Avoid contact with plumbing. It's okay to leave the dishes for another day. It's okay to wait for the laundry. You don't have to do it just right then. You don't. You don't. Be safe. Be safe. Um, I'm kind of laughing, though, because we did do a podcast we recorded one episode one time. Do you remember? There's like really loud thunder. And yeah. We were like, wow, listen to that thunder, you guys. Can you That's hear the amazing. thunder? What if we got <laughs> what if we got struck by lightning out of our love for you guys? The irony. I know. Honestly. Also remember, and I put this in, your pets cannot protect themselves. It's your responsibility to protect them. So you have to bring them indoors or keep them somewhere safe. Don't leave them chained to a tree during a lightning storm. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Do we even have to say this? Dog houses are not safe shelters. Just so you know, remove metal collars, leashes, or harnesses and replace with plastic ones. So what do you do if you do see somebody who was struck by lightning? Don't touch them. They're electrified. Just leave them (laughs) and just laugh at them because all their clothes, the polyester (laughs) melted off of them. Get out your camera phone. (laughs) Take a picture. Post that shit on TikTok. So if I was your lightning friend and something happened to you, I would just be like, you guys, check this out. (laughs) No. Megan, wrong, do wrong, that's wrong. R- that's, that's really mean. wrong. Call 911 immediately. Check if they're conscious, if they need it, if they're not breathing or not responding. You need to you need to do some CPR. Do it right then. Yep, do it right then. And just FYI, I'm pretty sure the new uh, information on CPR is that you do not need to do the mouth puff. So if you're really like creeped out by that, it's just the physical pushing down that you have to do. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Pretty sure that's right. Uh, you're just making shit up. Just making it up. You guys go check that first. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. Well, that is the compressions. Compressions are more yeah. important. Go take mm-hmm. a class on CPR and find out. Um. Okay, so here's the bottom line, people. Here's the sad, you know, we talk about this every time. Why are we having extreme storms and flooding? Storms and extreme rainfall events have always been there, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. But now that we're adding heat into our atmosphere, that little increment of temperature increase is accumulating energy and higher moisture loading. So for every extra degree of warming, the atmosphere holds about 7% more water vapor. And over the past 25 years alone, satellites have measured 4% rise in atmospheric water vapor, matching the rapid warming of the atmosphere. Obviously, human-caused climate change, Storms, cyclones, hurricanes, and typhoons we see today are bringing noticeably heavier rainfall, which causes more flooding, stronger winds, bigger storm surges, all that stuff. I'm ending on that note. (laughs) It's like, that's, I mean, we're going to see more of this. It's good we're prepared for it, but we also, we still have time to turn it around, Megan. If everybody, we all just need to like... Lobby corporations to be better? Well, let me talk about my organizations to support. Let's hear it. I did too, okay, because I really wanted to put in the Shenandoah National Park Association. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you should always support national parks. Yeah. I mean, and look, go watch Obama's special on Netflix. I still need to watch it. That's oh, so embarrassing. Too. I feel like, oh, good. I'm glad I'm not I haven't feeling. watched it. You guys I... go watch it. <laughs> yes. We're going to get on that this week. So the Shenandoah National Park Association, or SNPA, because you can go to snpbooks.org to see their website. 
mm-hmm. nonprofit organization that supports the interpretive and educational activities of the Shenandoah National Park. So basically, they're like their foundation or whatever. Yeah. So all like refuges and national parks have to have kind of a, a nonprofit that they work with because they can't take money or raise money as a federal organization. Or, yeah. yeah. All right. So go support them because that's where Roy was working his whole life and he seemed like a pretty interesting cool guy yeah the other one i have on here which i just like this organization there's a lot of climate change organizations Mm -hmm. or people who are doing a lot of good work towards climate change go support your favorite one you may already be doing so but you should check out these guys the 350.org Remember yeah, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they say they're an international movement of ordinary people working to end the age of fossil fuels and build a world of community-led renewable energy for all. So idealistic. I but love, I love it. it. So what they do is basically they provide resources. Mm-hmm. So you can do your own grassroots on the ground campaign no matter where you are, like if you're a school or just... A community. A community event. So they help you with that. And they try to just like build that capacity for people. Oh, that's great. So they offer so many resources like for anything you want to do. Like they offer artwork and information and anything you need, you can go there. It's like a one-stop shop. Here's their science basics. Number one, it's warming. Number two, it's us. Number three, we're sure. Number four, it's bad. And number five, we can fix it. Oh, that's nice. I like it. Simple to the point. I'm a fan of bullets. It's warning. It's warming. It's us. We're sure it's bad and we can fix it. And there's if you go to their website, 350.org, you can read all about this. And I just think they're pretty cool. Uh, those are my two organizations. And then I have all the links for if you want to read up on any of these stories. But that's going to be our lightning episode, Megan. <sighs> the lightning episode. It's done. That was great. I hope you liked it. I really something. did like it. I did like it a lot. And... I have been sitting here, Jen, contemplating. I I know. I know you have. What am I going to put in my emergency preparedness kit? And my initial thought Not a polyester suit. Not a polyester. Yes, not a polyester suit, number one. But number two, my my initial thought was some kind of beer koozie that like insulates your beer from being affected by lightning. But that seems like a little too on the nose. (laughs) So (laughs) in like further contemplation... What I'm thinking would be a really good thing to put in your emergency preparedness kit is some kind of catalyst uh-huh. that like, let's say you're struck by light, like you would carry it around. I don't know what that catalyst might be. Maybe it's a radioactive spider. Maybe it's some uranium. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. Some kind of catalyst that when the lightning strikes you, mm-hmm. you get some superpowers. Hell yeah. Yes. And then your superhero whatever. Uh-huh from the lightning would be to like combat climate change. Oh. Kind of like a Captain Planet situation. Wow. What has Captain Planet ever done for us? Haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, catalyst to become a climate change superhero. I like it. Yeah. Keep one in your pocket, whatever yeah. it is. Is that stupid? No, I like it. I like it. It's very superhero-y. I mean, it's hard to know what to have. They already took the lightning squat, so... <laughs> What do you have left after that? Nothing. You need a lightning squat chair. Maybe you just need like a dome. You need like a hamster ball. (laughs) A human-sized hamster ball. That somehow prevents lightning from hitting you. I kind of like that better. (laughs) A lightning-proof human-sized hamster Hamster ball. ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could carry it around with you. It almost reminds me of what did we use for the the moose? Wasn't that like a pop-up tent? I think that was a pop-up tent to hide. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this 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 would be like a cousin to that. Yes. Like a pop-up hamster ball. A lightning-proof 
human-sized pop-up hamster ball. Yeah. I kind of, (laughs) I like the idea of the hamster ball because it also enforces personal space. But they say, oh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but they say when you should not be close to people, like people should spread out. That feels kind of like a shark in the pool situation where where you're like, oh, let's spread out. Like probably it'll get that guy because he's six foot and I'm five five. Yeah, exactly. We'll go with a hamster ball lightning shield. (laughs) Hamster balls shield. (laughs) I was going to say to everybody, if you haven't watched Russian Doll on Netflix, you should go watch Russian Doll. That show is amazing. I finished the second season today. Oh, nice. Before you came over. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. It's all about time travel. Oh, nice. Kind of like fun. Quantum Leap? She does make a Quantum Leap reference. Natasha Leon is the the main character. Uh-huh. The redhead who was in like American Pie. Oh, okay. And also, I Want to Be a Cheerleader. I think that's the name of that movie. I never saw any of those. Um, She is amazing. I She's one of my favorite actresses, but... Anyway, she's really good. And she has like a really like raspy New York accent through Mm -hmm. the whole series. And it's so good. Cool. Go, you guys, check out our other episodes if you haven't Mm -hmm. already. If you want to hear some episodes you haven't heard, become a Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, we're going to have a new one like any day now. Because it's May. We wait wait till the next month (laughs) to give you the previous month. That's how we do it. That's how we do. That's how we do it here at You're Gonna Die Out There podcast. We know you're catching up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. We don't want you to feel bad that you missed something. Yeah, we don't. So it gives you that time. We're giving you some time. To prep. Yes. Anyway. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, go check it out. And if you would like to become a Patreon, just go to our website, click the link, or you can go to our link tree and Instagram. And it's as easy as that. Just go to Patreon and sign up. It takes seconds. It's amazing. You'll become a certified and nature nerd. Another way you can support us is to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a sticker. Be sure to give us your address on the contact form on our website or email us at you're gonna die out there at gmail.com. Another way you can support is is go to our website and check out our sponsors. See if there's anything you'd like to order. There's links, you can get discounts. They're all zero waste or eco-friendly businesses that support us and we love them. And we're not gonna read the ads, but you can go check it out. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, click that follow button. That'll help us out as well. You can also send us ideas for topics that you would like to hear. Crazy stuff you found online. You can send that to our email or DM us on Instagram. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye. I thought maybe you're going to talk about Stephen Callahan because I talk about how I'm going to do a Stephen Callahan <laughs> oh, no, episode I'm leaving that like, for all you. the time, but I like never. It's like thunder and lightning, the way you make me feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like thunder and lightning. Um, have you ever been electrocuted? Yes. When we were in Peace Corps, I was electrocuted. Really? Did I ever tell you about that? Uh-uh. Well, uh, you might have, and I just... I, when I was staying with my host family, we had a freezer mm-hmm. in the back of the main house, the concrete house, and I got home from after work... And I was going in because in the freezer, we would put bottles, plastic water bottles filled with water, you know, and it would like freeze the water. Uh Then you take it outside and then it melts. And so you have cold water. Mm -hmm. We're sitting outside. And so I was going in to get a bottle of water. And the little boy that lived at the house with us at the time, he was like two or three. Mm -hmm. And he said, he, he said, it'll bite you. 
Um, and I was like, okay. Like, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was just like, all right. No one else. There were like five adults out there. Not one of them said anything. He was just like saying to me, like, it's going to bite you. And I was like, okay. And I thought, you know, like a little baby. Like, yeah, he's little. And so I went in and I put my hand on the metal part of the <laughs> of the freezer. Uh-huh. And I was just frozen. And I... <laughs> I was like, what the, <laughs> like everything was like uh, frozen yeah. and I actually f- was falling backwards and like somehow jerked myself enough to like stop the thing. And I realized like, oh, wow, I just got electrocuted. Yeah. And then it hit me. What he meant was that I guess they had all been bitten, quote, bitten oh my God. by the electricity. And I was like, what? And I opened, I like, you know, put my hand on the plastic side and like uh-huh. opened it and got my water bottle and put it down. And I came out and I was like, what the hell? Did you feel weird afterwards? Like all your muscles? Yes. Yeah. And everybody, all the adults were laughing, Jen. They were like, they thought it was the funniest shit ever. And I was like, this is not funny. That is wrong. <laughs> they probably thought it was just like fun. It was fun. Yeah. And I think one of the kids like went in there just to do it, to like see. Or they take other kids in there and they're like, put your hand on that. Put your hand on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an electric fence. Yeah. Just do it. Do yeah. It. But I just totally just walked in there. Like just so innocent. Just like normal. Yeah. Mine was when I worked at a pet store, they had fit, of course, fish in like a wall of fish tanks. Oh, God. And I was like reaching behind them. And of course, it's like water everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like reaching me back there to try and like plug something or unplug something. And I totally got electrocuted. And I fell back. And I was like, uh, and I just started crying. Because uh, it was like instant. It was like no control. Yeah. I had no control yes. over it. It's yes. just like an instant cry, which I don't usually cry. I never cry. And and then my whole body just went like weak in this it was, weird. It was like I couldn't move anything. I was just like, Ugh, and I was like crying. Yes. And I remember this girl I worked with came out. She's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm like, electrocuted. And I was just like, and I remember telling the owner, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, those we got to. I don't know. It was just like, yeah, don't touch those anymore. We'll fix it. I was like, Jesus, that's amazing. Yeah, it's like a fatigue or something. Yeah, like like your body's so fatigued. fatigue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to the club, get a uh, what's that called? Robert Palmer. Oh, shit. What's the name <laughs> of that drink? The latter on, <laughs> but you're not home. <laughs> no, the drink is like it's like a iced tea and lemonade. Long Island iced tea? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shit. What's the name of that drink? I gotta look it up. You people from Georgia are really into your tea. It's mm, true. Arnold Palmer. I knew he was a golfer. Excuse me, can I get a radioactive spider? <laughs> <laughs> Do you just order those on Amazon? or? <laughs> there has to be some magical I, thing out there. Can I order some kryptonite? Right. Do you is have that fine? You know, crypt- bats? What? Oh, psh. That would be awesome. <laughs> Except that Batman. Okay, this might be a controversial. <laughs> oh no! Thing, but I'm just, just saying, Batman, nerd out on Batman. Batman is not really a superhero. Okay, he's got a lot of freaking gadgets. He's just a super rich guy. He's like Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Well, and on top of it, but Inspector just... Gadget had them built into himself, which is yeah. super creepy when you think about it. Yeah. Inspector. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.